Hey everyone, this is an overview of Ebola. So we're going to talk about what causes Ebola. We're also going to talk about some of the pathophysiology behind the condition. We're also going to talk about some of the signs and symptoms, how it's diagnosed, and how it's treated. So Ebola is a condition due to infection with the Ebola virus. Ebola virus is part of a family of viruses known as Filoviridae. It is a negative sense single-stranded RNA virus. And it has a thread-like shape. So you can see in these images here, it is thread-like in appearance. Now, the important point with regards to Ebola virus is that it is a significant cause of hemorrhagic fever. We're going to get into more specific details on this in the next upcoming slides. Now, there are actually five species of Ebola virus. These are known as Zaire, Sudan, Bundabugio, Thai Forest, and Reston Ebola viruses. Zaire Ebola virus is by far the most important and is the one responsible for several epidemics in the DRC or Democratic Republic of Congo and the more recent outbreak that occurred in Western Africa in 2014, where there was greater than 15,000 laboratory confirmed cases. So again, Zaire Ebola virus is the one you want to remember as it is responsible for the most recent outbreak that occurred in 2014. So how is Ebola virus transmitted and how does it cause disease? Now, first, it is believed that fruit bats act as hosts for Ebola virus. And it's also believed or thought to have zoonotic transmission through the following mechanism. Zoonotic transmission, so transmission from an animal to a human, seems to occur or may occur via human consumption of apes and chimpanzees. So in certain areas in Africa where there is human consumption of ape and chimpanzee meat, this appears to be or may be a cause of transmission. And then once the human becomes infected, human-to-human -human transmission can occur through bodily fluids. And essentially, it is all bodily fluids that can transmit this virus. Blood, urine, semen, sweat, saliva, feces, breast milk. So everything can transmit this virus. And then what's worse about this is that the Ebola virus can even survive in some bodily fluids for extended periods after illness resolution. So it can last in some bodily fluids for weeks to months, even after the condition has resolved. So it can be perpetuated and transmitted to others. And the virus itself, so when the virus is within a bodily fluid, it can enter into a non-infected individual through mucous membranes. So you can think of the mouth, the eyes, those types of areas, and breaks in the skin. So any cracks or any wounds can be a point of entry. So when the virus has entered into an individual, what happens? So what it does is it causes high levels of activation of both innate and adaptive immune systems. So it ramps up the host immune system. And it also directly induces release of high levels of cytokines, activating acute phase reactions and causing cell damage. So it puts the immune system into hyperdrive and it can lead to damage to the host. And what's more is that it impairs the coagulation cascade. So the coagulation cascade is necessary for having fibrin clots. And it does this through platelet aggregation and liver damage. So it can cause liver damage through this hyperactivation of the immune system. So we see damage to the liver, which is the site of synthesis of 
coagulation factors 3, 7, 9, and 10. And then we also see the virus leading to platelet aggregation. Both of these can lead to decreased clotting. So that is why this condition leads to hemorrhaging. If an individual is not able to form fibrin clots properly, they can have a lot of issues with bleeding. So now that we understand some of the pathophysiology behind this condition, what are some of the clinical features? So before we get into clinical features, the incubation period for the Ebola virus is several days to several weeks, and oftentimes it's 2 to 21 days. So that means that an individual becomes infected, and then 2 to 21 days later, they start to have symptoms. So the incubation period is the time point from which an individual becomes infected and when they start to have symptoms. So some of the most important and common symptoms we're going to see in this condition include fever and chills. So we talked about it activating the immune system, and it activates it at high levels. So we're going to see fever and chills. And a lot of times it's going to be an abrupt onset. So it's going to suddenly occur. We're also going to see fatigue, which is related to the viral infection itself. We're also going to see issues with headache, myalgias, so muscle aches and pains. So this can be due to the Ebola virus leading to immune system hyperactivation. We can also see a maculopapular rash, which is non-pruritic, which means that it's not itchy. And this usually occurs between day five to day seven of symptoms. And we can see it on the face, neck, trunk, and arms. And we can also see desquamation of this rash, which is a peeling of the rash itself. So again, fever and chills are common with an abrupt onset, so suddenly occurring fever, fatigue, headache, myalgias, and a maculopapular rash can all occur. So what are some of the other clinical features of this condition? Some of them include nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea. Oftentimes it's a watery diarrhea, and this can cause significant fluid losses, dehydration, hypotension, which is low blood pressure, so an individual loses so much volume that their blood pressure starts to decrease, and then they get shock because they don't have enough volume, they don't have enough blood pressure for blood to get to their vital organs so they can have shock. And what is key with regards to Ebola is increased bleeding risk. So that is why it's termed hemorrhagic fever. So we talked about this before. Ebola virus can hyperactivate the immune system leading to liver damage and it can also cause platelet aggregation. And this is all going to inhibit the coagulation cascade and it's going to inhibit coagulation from occurring properly and we're going to see increased bleeding. So because of that increased bleeding risk, we're going to see hematochesia and melina. So hematochesia is bright red blood that is in your stool, and melina is black tarry stool, which is simply digested blood. We can also see mucosal bleeding, so we can see bleeding from the eyes, from the gums of the mouth. We can also see skin manifestations, so the superficial bleeding under the skin, where we can see petechiae, purpura, and ecchymoses. We can also see meningoencephalitis occurring, so an inflammation of the meninges in the brain. So we can see fever, we can see headache, and we can see altered mental status. And with meningitis, we can see a stiff neck as well, oftentimes occurring. And this occurs between day 8 to day 10. And there can also be some cardiovascular features in this condition as well, including pulse temperature dissociation. Pericarditis, so an inflammation of the pericardium, the layer surrounding the heart and or myocarditis, which is an inflammation of the myocardium, the heart muscle itself. And there can also be some conjunctivitis, 
so inflammation of the conjunctiva of the eyes, and uveitis, so inflammation of the uvea. So again, nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea can occur in Ebola, and it can oftentimes be very severe and significant. It can lead to significant fluid losses, dehydration, low blood pressure, and even shock in some cases. We can see increased bleeding. This is why we term Ebola as a hemorrhagic fever. It can lead to hematochesia melina, mucosal bleeding, so bleeding from the eyes, the nose, the mouth, and we can also see petechiae purpura and ecchymoses occurring as well. We can also see meningoencephalitis, so fever and altered mental status. We can see cardiovascular features, pericarditis and or myocarditis, and we can see conjunctivitis and uveitis occurring as well. So what's important about Ebola is the morbidity and mortality of the condition. So oftentimes multi-organ failure can ensue rapidly, and this can lead to death. So case fatality of Ebola is extremely high. It's approximately 50% of cases. So 50% of individuals who get Ebola die from this condition. And the Zaire Ebola virus is the most lethal. So as I mentioned before, important to remember this Ebola virus specifically. And it can be so lethal that a death can occur within six days from onset of symptoms. So it can occur very rapidly rapid progression to multi-organ failure and ultimate death. Post-recovery complications can occur as well. So even after an individual recovers, so they survive this infection, they recover, there can be post-recovery complications. These include spinal cord injury, hepatitis, so an inflammation of the liver, so chronic inflammation of the liver can occur. Uveitis, as I mentioned before, that inflammation of the eye. So these are some of the post-recovery complications. And we can also see issues with psychosis. So delusions and hallucinations can occur in individuals who have had a past infection with Ebola virus. So how do clinicians diagnose and treat Ebola? So Ebola is diagnosed oftentimes by polymerase chain reaction or PCR. And PCR looks for and detects Ebola virus RNA, so the genetic components of the virus. ELISAs can also be performed as well. And then Ebola virus antibodies can be assessed, so serology testing. So this is essentially looking for individuals who have had enough time to mount antibodies against Ebola virus. So once Ebola virus has been diagnosed, how do clinicians treat it? Oftentimes it is supportive care. So identifying and giving supportive care is very important. As I mentioned before, Individuals with Ebola can oftentimes lose a lot of volume. So they can lose a lot of volume from nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea, where it can lead to low blood pressure and shock. They can lose a lot of blood. So it's important to provide a lot of IV fluids and blood products. Antipyretics are also important. This can help reduce fever in Ebola. Other novel treatments include remdesivir. Remdesivir is now thought to help with COVID-19 monoclonal antibodies, and convalescent plasma. So convalescent plasma is where an individual who has had Ebola and recovered, they donate their plasma, and that plasma is given to an infected individual. And this can also play a role in treating the infected individual. So diagnosis of Ebola oftentimes occurs through polymerase chain reaction, PCR, ELISA, or Ebola virus antibodies. And then treatment is often supportive. IV fluids, antibiotics, but then there's some other novel treatments, including remdesivir, monoclonal antibodies, and convalescent plasma. So if you want to learn more about other infectious diseases, please check out my infectious disease playlist. If you haven't already, please consider liking, subscribing, and clicking the notification bell to help support the channel and stay up to date on future lessons. Thanks so much for watching and hope